0: Please open your Bibles this morning in the, Gospel, in the Gospel of John chapter 2. and Our reading for this morning is John chapter 2 verses 1 to 11. Hear then the word of God. On the third day There was a wedding of Cana in Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now, there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now became wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serve the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely then the poor wine but you have kept the good wine until now this the first of his signs jesus did at cana in galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him this is the word of the lord let us pray Our Father in heaven, we ask now for your blessing and the illumination of your Holy Spirit. As we turn to this passage from the Gospel of John, we pray, Lord, that we might behold this morning the glory of Christ and in doing so, believe in him for eternal life. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen. John's Gospel is a collection of evidence concerning who Jesus is. It is a collection of events intended to prove to you and to me that Jesus is more than a historical figure. And the purpose of all this Gospel is in John chapter 20 verses 30 and 31. And it says in those verses at the end of this gospel. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. We see here that the whole purpose of this gospel is to give us supporting proof of the deity of Jesus and in believing this we may have eternal life. That is what we have seen since the beginning of chapter 1. In the first 18 verses of chapter 1 John the apostle gives testimony of the word Jesus Christ is God and he is the one who made all things and everything was made through him he is the light of light he is the life that gives life to everything but then later in verse 14 of the same chapter, verse, verse, chapter one, verse 14 says that, this God became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So that is the testimony Of John the Apostle but in the same chapter there is also the testimony of the other John John the Baptist the greatest of all the Old Testament prophets he also affirms that Jesus is the promised Messiah he also affirms that Jesus is the Lamb of God But then it comes the testimony of a group of people. We have Andrew, Peter, John, and Nathaniel, Philip. These Jewish worshipers of the true and only God also testified that Jesus was the one promised by the prophets. The Son of God." And at the end of chapter one, we read that Nathaniel says, "You are the king of Israel." So there you have the testimony packed in one chapter, testimony of John the Apostle, the testimony of John the Baptist, and the testimony of five of Jesus' disciples, eyewitness of Jesus when He became. Flesh. But now I think we are changed microphone. But now thank you. Thank you, Dave. From chapter two to chapter eleven, we will see firsthand the signs that demonstrated Jesus deity. And the first of these signs is the wedding of Cana, where he transformed water into wine. Another sign later is when he heals a man who is dying. In chapter 5 of the Gospel of John, we read how Jesus heals a paralyzed man in the pool of Bethesda. In chapter 6, Jesus feeds 5,000 from five loads of bread and two fish. Later in the same chapter, Jesus walks on water. In chapter 9, he heals a man born blind. And then he rises a man from the dead in chapter 11. These seven signs are in this gospel as an authentication of Jesus' nature and mission thee in this in this earth. Of course there are more miracles Jesus did and John tells us at the end of his gospel in the last verse of John chapter 20. 1 verse 25 the last verse this is what it says now there are also many other signs other things that jesus did were every one of them to be written i suppose that the word itself could not contain the books that would be written there are many more. But are not better there are no space for all those. So John, the writer of this gospel, handpicked these seven signs with one and only purpose that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of Man, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have. Life in his name that is the whole goal of John the writer of this gospel and that is precisely what we read at the end of this first sign at the wedding of Cana in verse 11 after John is telling us what happened at this wedding he tells us in verse 11 this the first sign of His The first of his signs, I'm sorry. Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him. So what happened in this wedding that the disciples believed in him after this first sign? And that's what we are going to discover today. So if we go and read verses 1 to 5, in our reading this morning says, on the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Notice that it says nothing about the bride or the bridegroom. It says nothing about why Jesus was there. Who invited him or his relationship with the families? Nothing. Imagine if your friend told you about a wedding he was invited to. And when you ask, who got married? Your friend answered, I have no idea. I don't know. You would think that there is something wrong with your friend. Or he went uninvited, right? But the point here is that this story was written with a specific purpose. The wedding is not the focus here. This story is not trying to tell us that we should invite, we should always invite Jesus into our marriages, as important as this is. The point of this story is to introduce Jesus as the main character, and our thoughts should be focused entirely on Jesus. It says that on the third day, I will not go there because there is a lot of meaning on this word on the third day. But on the third day, after Jesus' encounter with Nathaniel, he was invited with his disciples to this wedding. And the one thing that was not supposed to happen at a wedding occurs here. The wine runs out. Yes. Yes. <laughs> And that should be our, our, our reaction. What? A wedding was a significant event. It could last up to seven days. Now, before the wedding party, there was a whole year of preparation for the bridegroom. During this year, he had to build a house for his wife to be. Imagine that for all the bridegrooms. He also had to prepare for the wedding, assuming all the costs of the wedding. So when the house was built and furnished, and the wedding preparations were ready to detail, then the marriage could take place. All this demonstrated that the bridegroom had what it took to care for his bride. And what a surprise when it says that the wine ran out. (gasps) What an embarrassment for the bridegroom. And it is in these circumstances that Mary tells Jesus they have no wine. In a Jewish wedding feast, wine was so important that a lawsuit could occur if no wine was provided. Can you imagine that? because wine was the main symbol of this celebration. It was a symbol of joy. It was a symbol of prosperity. It was a symbol of abundance. So in this case, the marriage was about to be dissolved. After a whole year of preparation, or better said, after a lifetime of waiting for this great event, this bridegroom was about to lose everything due to the negligence of not having enough wine for the wedding. And here, and it is here, where we start to understand the magnitude of Jesus' first sign at this wedding. Here we begin to see that Jesus is showing his glory and his power with the ability to change physical elements, water into wine, with the same creative power he possessed before Creation. And it is here that we start to understand the magnitude of Jesus' first sign for ourselves as well. It is when human negligence and human incapacity fail to provide eternal joy when Jesus shows up to save the party. This is a sign of what Jesus can do for everyone today. He has the creative power to transform our chaos into order because Jesus is God. He has the power to transform our emptiness into fullness of joy. So when, you, when, when we read that Mary's, Mary's word to Jesus, they have no joy. They have no wine. She was telling Jesus, it is over. At this party, what was needed to celebrate was over. And dear friends, This is a familiar human experience, isn't it? We are prone to find joy in so many temporary things and it just runs out. And it does not matter who you are or what great wines you have tried. One day it will be gone. Sooner or later, the joy that this world gives always runs out. Health runs out. Position runs out. Friends runs out. Possessions run out. Sooner or later, the wine of this world ends. King Solomon, one of the wealthiest men in the world who had everything he desired at the end of his days, he said, vanity of vanities. All is vanity. So here is why this first sign of Jesus becomes so relevant today. It is only Jesus who can provide what you and I lack. The better wine. So when Mary asks Jesus to help at the end of their conversation, Mary says, Do whatever he tells you. And we are, and we all are familiar with this story. Jesus commands the servants to fill up six stone water jars used for Jewish purification. These jars were not for the wine, but to clean the hands and feet to those invited to the wedding. So can you imagine, can you, can you picture in your mind all these people were clean in the external but without no means to celebrate at this party. Because there was no wine. I would love, I would love to know how much it took to fill up these jars, considering each jar could hold 30 gallons of water. Can you imagine putting 180 gallons of water into these jars? And so they do what Jesus commanded and fill them up to the brim. And after that, he said to them in verse 8, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So when the master of the feast tasted the water, it became wine. And how was this possible? There, was, there, there were no grapes, no vines. There were no seeds involved. There were not, no soil. There was nothing. Can you see the creative power of Jesus in this miracle? There was no abracadabra, there was no magic wand, but Jesus showed his glory by making 180 gallons of wine out of water. This was more than what this poor bridegroom could have afforded. And at the end, it says "And his disciples believed in him. When the jars are empty and the party is doomed, and when, and when the, at the external all seemed fine and clean, Jesus chose up to give the best wine. The deepest longing of our souls can only be satisfied with the eternal joy that Jesus brings when we believe in him. Last week, I was honored to be with a dear brother at the hospital hours before he passed. And I could tell you that his final moments were full of joy and peace. Nothing there seemed painful apart from the suffering on his body. But his soul, his face, and the whole atmosphere there were full of joy. I cannot explain what happened that night. We sang, prayed, read the scriptures, and in the middle of this very hard moment, we even laughed. I have never experienced that kind of joy and peace in a hospital room. The only explanation I have is that everyone in that room had tasted the wine Jesus came to give to all those who believe in him. And this, my dear friends, is worth living for. question is, do you believe? Because if not, the wine is going to run out sooner or later. And only Jesus can bring the wine that it will be like a spring of joy in your life. No matter where you are going to be at the end of your days, you will be full of joy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for the privilege you gave us this morning to come and spend a little time with you at the wedding. What a beautiful sign proving that you are the creator of everything and the promised Messiah who came to save us from our inability to have eternal joy. We pray this morning that you will open our hearts to see you as who as who who you are. And that you will open the eyes and the hearts of those who may doubt and think that this is just a beautiful story so that they can contemplate and believe who you are and what you are offering to them. In Jesus' name.